Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Gary Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb, and I'm going to try and do a fast show today. It's it's not going to be fast. We know it's not going to, but I'm here at home just doing the usual. Brian is in Florida visiting the fam, and you also just still have a bunch of work to do, too. Busy guy these days, Gerald. Very busy guy, but it's it's all good, all fun stuff. Just, uh, you know, doing a bit of globetrotting, getting ready to head to New Zealand again soon. So uh, schedule is tight these days, bro. It's a tight schedule. Word. Uh, so you are currently in a space that is maybe not optimal for recording. No, so I hope- no this was definitely, I, I will tell you that the intention of the place I'm currently staying in was never to be a recording studio. <laughs> it, was, it was to be a... Uh, a home which was quasi disposable, I think, because of the nature of hurricanes in Florida, and just like, well, right, you know, I shouldn't yeah. spend too much money on this home. We might have to just rebuild it at some point, and I, I think that's the state of it. Uh, so I'm sure the echoing is 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 there. I'm sure the uh, the resonance is there. You'll have to bear with me for this episode. Also got those what? air conditioners cranking too, because bro, it's it's hot down here. Like <laughs> coming from upstate New York, and granted, we've had a very mild winter. Yeah, um, but but the difference is stark. What's it at there? Uh, it's like 80 something, 80 something and oh, like a, a little humid. No, it's, I mean, obviously it's still like winter time, right? So it's not like cranked up, but it's uh, air conditioner weather for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm going to put this out here so that maybe I remember next week, but I also want to talk about information gathering type of stuff. But since we're on a tight time schedule, we'll push that to next week. Okay. Do you want to, cool. do you want to give a, a quick head version of it? Like a, no. like a half word on it? No, no okay. absolutely not. Uh, okay. I just I just want to say that so that either you remind me or if we don't do it next week, someone else reminds me. Someone will eventually remind us. Okay, yeah. I think that's a good topic to talk about. But for this week, modern decklist. That's what we want to talk about. Modern decklist, baby. This is what we were going to do last week. And I didn't want to do the same league that we had lined up because it's kind of like, old information at that point you know if there have been any new ideas or whatever that have come through and i think there have been a few actually then we won't get to talk about them so i picked a new one i went through about half of it it's it's good it's not as spicy as the last one let me tell you but this is the modern league from december 6th uh again if you want to look at magic online decklist you can go to mtgo.com there is a decklist tab it's pretty easy and then the deck lists are like searchable now, which is pretty cool. And yep. that comes with a few downsides, I think, where like the spelling of ether is like broken again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super broken. Okay. One step forward, two steps back <laughs> every time. But uh, this, there, there are some upsides to this new this new data gathering, I would say. Dude, this is like two forward, one back. Okay. You know? yeah, yeah, sure. That's, you can give it a little credit. progress. Okay. Give it a step's worth of credit. All right. So. Let's get into it. Number one, Xeno One playing landless Charbelcher, manaless Charbelcher, that thing. Pretty normal. Uh, no new cards. I mean, like an offer you can't refuse is maybe the newest card, and that was many yeah. sets ago. Yeah, well, that was a while ago. That was back in the streets. So I, you know, I, I was a big fan of this deck for a while. I kind of thought it was one of the best ways to just do the I'm not paying any attention to you thing in modern. So I'm going to check great you. Omnath matchup. Yeah, I, I want to check with you, and, and there doesn't have to be about this deck in particular, but what is the state of I don't care about what you're doing in modern right now? Like, is this still a viable thing where uh, decks are floating to the middle, there's a little bit more interaction, and you get to dodge all that? Or is it just like, 
nah, this is kind of not the right time for this. There's too much counter magic or disruption or whatever it yeah. is that you don't want to jam into. You know, Murktide is kind of rough. And I think even as the metagame ebbs and flows, there is still going to be some amount of Murktide, you know, Ragavan counterspell type of nonsense or the breach decks kind of like fall under the same thing, although they're less permission based, but they also have a combo kill that can race yours. So that's not ideal either, you know? Yep. So that's, that's going to be the bad matchup for sure. And then there's, there's stuff like Omnath that you can just beat up on, but uh, the Omnath decks are maybe, maybe worse, maybe better. I don't know. Like they're 60 cards now. So they're a little bit leaner and they have stuff like Leyline Binding, which can actually answer Charbelcher where they had a hard time doing that before. So I, I, I still like this deck. And if you don't think that there's going to be a lot of Murktide, I think that this is solid. And it's it's not like Lotus Field and Pioneer where my argument against it was like maybe the format's just a little bit too fast. I don't think that's the case with Modern. I think that the decks do their thing relatively quickly, but I don't think that it's fast enough where like you don't have the time to do stuff like this. And the other options for things like this are always just going to be like Amulet. I think creativity falls under that to, to some degree. And I'm sure that there's like something else that I'm just not thinking of. Yeah, I, I think what really sort of sets Amulet Creativity, those decks a little bit apart, is you just get that pinch more interaction, right? Because you are yeah. dealing with these very, very intense deck requirements. And particularly with Amulet, like obviously I'm a, a big Amulet aficionado. I think after sideboarding, you get to play a lot of different games with Amulet, which is one of its big appeals. And very hard to do effective sideboarding in your Charbelcher list, as you may suspect. So this one, I think you're hard locked into that game plan. You don't get any of that flexibility. And so you really do need to make the right meta call. But it's still the deck that, like, when it shows up and wins a challenge, 0% surprised. It, there's just, like, good windows for it to show up every now and then. Yeah. Well, the second deck uh, from Nathan of the Guilt Leaf is Amulet. And... I don't know. I feel like I should just do this every time is, is give this amulet deck list a grade. We have four adventurous impulse in kind of the flex slots, no copies of explore sideboard has some copies of dead gone, which is cool. Interesting, whatever. And I don't know, 60 cards, none of the like 61, 14 kind of nonsense or anything. 33 lands. Like this looks pretty streamlined. How do you feel about it? Yeah. It's just a question of like, how do you feel about adventurous impulse? I think, and I have this very bizarre collection of amulet cards that yeah. like have been in this spot. And and obviously like I'm, you know, I'm big on foiling out my amulet deck. So I have my foil adventurous impulses. I certainly have like foil oath of Nisses that have gone into this slot previously. All, all kinds growth. of growth. Yeah. All kinds of nonsense that has floated in and out of this spot. Adventurous impulse. One of my least favorite, I will say there's just very little, upside it's kind of like i expect the core of my deck to be entirely functional i don't need any flash any spice any sizzle i'm cool with being like a quarter turn slower than the explorer versions which uh, that's probably a fine place to be not really a big deal it's just like such a low power card it's hard for it to ever feel modern worthy and i guess like in moments where amulet feels like the most powerful thing you could be doing then I get it. It's like your core game plan. You just need to execute it. And if Adventurous Impulse gets you there, you know, in the spot where you would have otherwise bricked, then that's good enough. As long as you're putting Primeval Titan onto the battlefield, you're eventually going to win. That's all that matters. Right. I don't think that's the state of Amulet and Modern as it stands right now. So it would not be my choice to 
saddle up with adventurous impulse. But I think all of these weird slot cards, like when you when you get to know the deck very well, you can find reasons to talk yourself into a lot of them. And are you talking yourself into something good or something bad? That remains to be seen. I'm sure there's probably a, a purpose behind choosing adventurous impulse here. And frankly, if you know that purpose and you play towards that purpose, then it can be the right decision for you. Most important thing is just like, think about this slot, think what you're trying to get out of it. And then you can find yourself in a good position almost regardless of what card you decide to put in that slot, as long as you're playing towards its strengths. Yeah. And I think in a lot of instances, that's usually the card that you're like shaving and sideboarding anyway. Yep, so absolutely. Whatever. All right. Uh, next up, Relative Wind with Yogmoth. Uh, Haywire Might in the board. Big holiday. upgrades. Big upgrades for Yogmoth picking up that Haywire Might. This deck is another one that is staying uh, very consistent it seems over the last few sets sort of in that b to c tier of modern i think it has a lot of fans a lot of people who have really embraced this archetype including me i'm a, I'm a big yogmoth fan i still have my yogmoth death sleeved up ready to go as soon as i get that local tournament worth playing i'm just waiting for it i i don't really have anything to report on this particular list anything that excites you here other than that might no just a, a long time ago at this point the list shaved down to like one messenger added the four grists into the main deck and then that's kind of stayed yeah uh, grist, grist is fantastic in this list so I yeah mean, like I mean, it got to the right place for sure right and that's that's just it's been static that's what the deck looks like now and i once that change happens i think this deck is awesome not not like you know tier one best deck in the format awesome but like definitely a good contender even months later with with basically no changes so yeah one of those that can reward you for like getting very comfortable with it knowing all your sideboard slots having game plans into everything it's a a good deck to settle in on as your home and i think it's found a lot of fans for that reason next up scrug 092 with uh is it murktide however a little bit weird we have one copy of cryptic command and two copies of Third Path Iconoclast, which is the UR21 sort of young pyromancer, actually keys off of any non-creature spell, not just instants and sorceries. So mm-hmm. third into Mistress Bobble is quite good, right? But I'm curious as to whether or not like this is this is actually good here. I mean, yes, young pyromancer didn't work with Bobble but it was always a thing that you could play, right? So like, is this that much better? And is this an effect that you actually want? Yeah, a couple other cards too, like things like Royal Scions getting back into the deck, which is a card that I honestly expected to have more of an influence over the modern format than, you know, it would in standard. And I think it's, it mostly missed everywhere, honestly. I mean, Um, it's fine. It showed up in like shadow sideboards and stuff. And yeah, it's seen about as much play as I expected it to. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there are reasons beyond just the bubbles to think about Third Path Iconoclast. I, I guess, like, should the Pyromancer plan have been good enough, you could have leaned into it in a lot of spots. And I occasionally saw them in, like, sideboards. I, I don't think it was impossible to see people shift towards Pyro, Pyromancer. But I don't think this is going to open up any new avenues for the deck is my biggest problem with it. And it does seem like you're making maybe some concessions here. Things like the Royal Scions, things like the Jace maybe creeping into the main deck. Although, again, see that from time to time. It doesn't feel like it's worth the sidestepping the effort you're putting in here. The the thing that I immediately went looking for is like, well, are we turning back to Force and Negation and we just need some some blue cards here? That is not the case. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't don't think it should be, but were that to be the case, then you can make a good case for third path iconoclast. Word. 
Uh, all right, jury's out. I, I think I think no, but leaning leaning towards no, but willing to be surprised. Next up, blue automatic with some goblins, twenty three land, four aether vials, thirty three creatures, presumably all of them goblins. Uh, yeah, just for the the aether vial update, aether vial is now being presented as a with a, a capital A with a tilde over the top. That's a tilde, right, Gerald? Yeah, it, it's like the Enya thing, right? Yeah, I, that, I think I think tilde is correct, but I could be wrong. That's floating over the top, and now there's a it looks like a double space after it. And then we get T-H-E-R vial. So that weird E thing just completely left out of the equation here. Dude, just wait until we get to canister's deck list. Oh boy, I can't wait. It, um, it, it is three ether vial, one ether vial. Nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the perfect breakdown. I think that that's the master's choice. All right. Um, goblins. I think yeah. that Goblins is potentially very good in Pioneer too. And I wanted to bring that up when we did our like pre-RC show and I just kind of forgot. But yeah. the thing that I like is this Runvelt Horde Master, uh, which is, I don't know, 1R, 1-1, other goblins you control get plus one, plus one. When this or another goblin you control dies, exile the top card. If it's a goblin, you may cast it. Whisker Prospector. Yeah, yeah however, you can do a lot of churning there. However, man, so many of these decks play for the Horde Master and only two Prospector, and that's true even in Pioneer. And I don't get it. I would be leaning into that so hard. Skirk Prospector is a historically breakable card, uh, two is interesting. I mean, certainly when you're playing goblins, you have ways to go find these things, right? You have things like goblin matron. Yeah, but um, ideally, you you just just always it have it, so yeah. that you can like matron for a thing that matters or whatever. I will say that slots are tight. You're trying to fit a lot of uh, like. Are they uh, to some extent? I mean, you're you're trying to fit a lot of combos in at this point. You're trying to fit like a B plan of just like, oops, I killed you with my goblins. There's obviously the ether vial slots, so. I don't know. Maybe I'm making some excuses. I, I don't know how much like the second Mog Fanatic actually brings to your deck as opposed to like the third Skirk Prospector at least feels a lot more appealing to me. But I'm no Goblins expert these days, so maybe I'm overstating. And then things like the two Goblin Ringleaders, like it eh, feels like you just need one to go find in the spot where you actually want a Goblin Ringleader and you're not supposed to really try and chain these things. So I don't know. I would have to put in a lot more time with Goblins before I was making authoritative statements. But I do know that Skirk Prospector falls in the list of cards that are actually and factually occasionally broken as opposed to cards we just call broken for fun. Skirk right. Prospector can do the job. Yeah, I, I will say, though, with this list specifically, with like the, the Bogart Harbinger, Conspicuous Snoop, Kiki Jiki thing, I think the Horde Master stuff is less good than it is in Pioneer when you're just trying to do like traditional beatdown stuff for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's fine, but... It just means that maybe you don't need to be as all in on the Harbinger stuff because so when I played this deck, I, I basically got to a point where I was like focusing on the combo and doing stuff like playing Dark Confidant and Thoughtseize. And then like there were also people who ended up in the same place as me at the same time, like Kenji Sumura which I thought was hilarious because it's a weird place to take the deck, right? And then someone else has like the exact same conclusion it's like well we're probably on to something you know you can either go super hard on the combo at which point maybe the prospector horde master stuff is not good at all or you do want this backup beatdown plan and then maybe you just minimize the combo a little bit and i think that that's what i would be trying to do mm -hmm. play play like the fourth war marshal all the prospectors all the horde masters and just try and do that so <laughs> i agree with you from like 
an abstract build the cleanest, coolest, best, quote unquote, best deck perspective. Who do you end up beating in that scenario, though? Yeah, I mean, that that's what you have to play games to find out. But like if if the answer is, oh, the combo is better then like I said, you go the other direction and you just and go hard mix yeah. the Horde Master stuff all together. Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of trying to split the difference right now is the biggest problem with it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that there's it has the requisite amount of combo pieces. Like, I, I definitely think you want the second Kiki Jiki and the second Lieutenant because sometimes they end up in your hand. You can't like tutor for them to be able to like actually combo effectively. And that that's a big deal. But then at that point, it's like, wh- what are the Horde Masters doing for you? You know, maybe they should just be things like Thoughtseize or whatever. So that that was where I took it before when we didn't have the options or even the option to have like a normal goblin plan and have it be successful. So maybe you end up there. I don't know. I'd like to see my favorite goblin in the sideboard there, Orvar, the all form. <laughs> yeah, it's a good goblin. All right. Uh, Nick whispers with some ad nauseum. I feel like you're like looking for me to say something uh, about this deck, but there's, you're, you're the guy. Yeah, you're the ad nauseum guy. I, I don't have anything to say anymore. It's it's just like we've done this. I I, I will say I'm I'm looking through this. There there is no ad nauseum. Am I crazy? Wait a second. Oh yeah, this is just full on Oracle. Yeah, we're just we're just not doing it here. This is this is just Oracle. Say, same exact setup. Profane Tutor is the the thing we're using to try try and optimize this version. Yeah, that's that's been kind of normal. Uh, okay. So sometimes we saw lists that were like this that had one Adnaz and then like the deal you can't refuse or whatever. Yeah. Offer you can't refuse. Yep. And that's kind of how they were comboing off or whatever. And this one is just like, no, we just never do that. So let's just do the Oracle stuff. Okay. Well, I mean, you're getting more streamlined now. I, I don't know, man. There was like this weird appeal to Ad Nauseam where you were a turn four combo deck, but you played through uh, any type of control extremely, extremely well. Like it was just very simple to play through control decks. And, you know, it took a little setup, but you sort of had inevitability against them, I felt. Yeah. At least that's why I was playing Ad Nauseam. I don't think you have that with this list. And so I don't, I failed to see the appeal in it at that point. Uh, I don't know. Like, it, it does seem kind of similar to me. And it, you, you know, Ad Nauseam was like, no matter what, you have to invest five mana into this thing to kind of get the party started. This deck doesn't really have to do that because all the spells are so cheap. All the combo pieces are cheap. But this deck has to operate at sorcery speed, which is to me the the biggest change in the game like you just you just don't you don't have that same hard punish in a lot of spots that's true but i'm not sure how much that actually matters against control you know i mean it's we're not we're not living in like the factor fiction era i guess it's kind of like the wandering emperor era so maybe it's the same thing but yeah i i would just have to have played more ad nauseum recently and i haven't had a reason to for a very long time sadly you know i would love to pick that deck back up again but it doesn't hold a lot of appeal I think this is good. Uh, okay. I, 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 do, I like the fact that it's cheaper and the fact that it's cheaper means that you might not need the instant speed punish. And I think that the majority of the quote unquote control decks are kind of like tap outy anyway. So it, it, I don't okay. think it changes much. Uh, yeah, maybe air, the bigger problem is that control just is not that important presently. Yeah. It, it, like tempo is more important than control. Yeah. All right. Next up. Error of Elendil 15. More. Is it Merktide? This one with the Brazen Borrower, two Ledger Shredders. Other than that, pretty normal. 
Uh, yeah, eight, I, I got no notes here. I'm here for the spice, man. Not a not a stock. Is it Merktide list? Yeah, eight removal spells, counter spells, spell peers. No spice. The, the spice is the brazen borrower. Next one, Proji J28. I screenshotted this deck list, Brian. Nice. Okay, so get ready for this. This is mono white. You know, like the old, old-ish blue-white Urza decks? Absolutely, when, yep. Yeah, when you got like Ingenious Smith and Esper Sentinel and they just became kind of like this mid-range beatdown deck. You know, some had Stoneforge Mystic, some didn't. Some had like Thought Monitor or whatever. This is just like, well, we have enough cards in white. Why do we need anything else? Right. So you have Esper Sentinel, Ingenious Mist, Stoneforge Mystic, uh, a bunch of Nettle Cysts, Portable Holes, uh, Urza Saga Package, Dispatch, tight. And then you have some Restoration of Igonjos and some Power Conduits. So Conduit uh, trying to do work with the Sagas, and that's kind of like your mid-range card advantage grindy engine. I mean, this seems like a decent-looking mid-range deck, which is what these decks always were. And my problem with them was not like they they were bad mid range decks. It's, it's that don't, there's no don't don't be poo pooing on like Esper Sentinel, Stoneforge Mystic, or Saga, please. I will not take it well. I, I'm in a fragile state. All right. I I understand you like these things. How much winning have they historically done? Irrelevant. Okay. Ear elephant. Okay. I mean, if, if that's where you're at, then I I, I always like these deck lists. They always excited me. I was always into them. The proliferation of restoration of Iganjo into modern format sort of doesn't surprise me. Like, this is a card that should just see more play everywhere, given how much it does. So, cool to see that come to fruition. This It's just like one of those decks that can never be tier one, though. It's, it's cool as hell, but it can never be tier one. How much do you love that That's Giganta fine. in this sideboard, by the way? Uh, I mean... You're one of your favorite cards. yeah. I think that in mono white artifacts, maybe your sideboard slots are a little lacking. And that is maybe true considering that three of the sideboard cards are just random equipments for Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah. Manrique Gasari. I I feel like I mention this every time I see a Manrique Gasari. I I may have been one of the first people to register Manrique Gasari alongside Stoneforge Mystic at a random GP in DC. And Legacy, ages ago, I remember trying to find Menrique Gusari's at that event, and it was almost impossible. But I don't think I've ever actually destroyed an opposing equipment with Menrique Gusari. No, no. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Also, there's just like a Citizen's Girl Bar that could do the same thing if you wanted to. Yeah. So. Yeah, nowadays, kids have it so good with your Citizen's Girl Bars. Yep. Uh, four Hollow Moonlights, three Void Mirrors, two Seal of Cleansings. Uh, a couple saga targets, and then just like, yeah, sure, a Gigantha that we can cast off a couple Springleaf drums. I mean, whatever, it's fine. Uh, I, I guess you could like discard it to the restoration or something too. So plus, you get those big points when you reveal that at the start of the game, right? You're manipulating the information, getting your opponent to play incorrectly against which, your mono which white mid range deck. What exactly? No, yeah, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't. Uh, I ooh, being, I, I guess there's facetious. there's there's Treasure Vault too. You can Treasure Vault into the Gigantha. Yeah, I, I'm not disputing the fact that you could potentially play Giganta. It's just there's there's got to be something you can do, like just a random any random card to address any random matchup seems like it would do something more for you. In general, I agree, absolutely. Uh, next up, Beastista. Crap, what is this? Mono White, Thraben Inspector, Stoneforge Mystic, Thalia, Ranger Captain of Eos, Anointed Peacekeeper, uh, Lay Down Arms. 
seeing some modern play. Yep. Some Wrath of Gods, some old school Elspeth, Knight Errants, uh, some equipment, some Legion. This is, dude, this is not modern. This is not a modern deck. These are it's, cards that this person likes. Like, they, they really enjoy all these cards and they wanted to put them in a deck. I, I have nothing else to offer here. And, and is, they registered for a modern league and they kick some ass with them. Yeah, good for them. I don't get it. I, at least the Sun Titan ones where you're like doing, this has two Amirias, right? But like the Sun Titan ones are like, going hard and they have a game plan and i've lost to those decks before like they're they're kind of legit you know but uh this one doesn't have quite that oomph quite that late game you know so i will say that my my like platonic ideal modern format should embrace and allow a deck like this to occasionally five o league so i am happy to see this occur I don't know how it occurred, but it occurred, and I'm happy to see it because you should be able to dust off old cards you like and occasionally get a decent result with them. Yeah. Uh, next up, Artem Kooten, name that I have not heard in a long time. Uh, Blast from the past. This is like an old friend of LSV's, I believe. Mono blue affinity with some forging the anchors to you. Sorcery, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal any number of artifact cards from among them and put the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And then you just load up on Sojourner's Companions and Frogmites. No Mirror Enforcer. Damn. I was I was hoping to like really pop off. I mean, there's Thought Monitors, you know, but not quite the same thing. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm trying to count up very quickly the number of misses for Forging the Anchor. Saga, Islands, and, and forging. forging yeah it's just it's 10 so solid draw four probably yeah i mean i four point something i think like four point four point one four point two ish which well yeah you're mana, casting you're casting the forge too so there's there's nine correct correct so you're starting to get some really good i mean that's that's a modern playable draw spell for sure can you play three would three mana draw four cards be playable in modern yeah I, I think it would be i think in in this deck it. specifically where you have a bunch of zero mana cards yeah hell yeah uh yeah I, I think you'd build a lot more archetypes around it actually if it was just that default text it's just a question of like are the things you have to play to make it that card going to allow you to have a decent deck and this is at least an interesting evolution of affinity like there is still some potential for those affinity draws those explosive like cranial plating draws i wouldn't be shocked to see this deck occasionally went on turn three so kind of into it like as far as an actual like affinity upgrade this is one of the first big ones we've had in quite some time i think yeah no this is i I don't know like i I read this card and did not immediately go here was not like oh can i play this in a deck with like you know literally all artifacts or whatever because that thought just like didn't even really cross my mind right but uh, Artem, Artem figured it out. They did it. So it's funny you mentioned really this is like cool. a an old school name because this is the type of thing where like you're sort of engaged with magic. You're not really checking in. Last time you played a bunch was like in the uh, Affinity days, and then yeah. you see this new card, and you're like, "Well, shit, I'm gonna go play this in Affinity," and it turns out it's actually very good. Yeah, yeah. So very cool. Frankeg MTG or Frankie G MTG probably Frankie G is my read. Yeah, another mono blue Affinity deck. This one different. More islands, sad, hard evidence, thought casts, three Urzas, uh, thought monitors. Yeah, this is just like an Urza deck that is being enabled by Ornithopters and Memnites because there's no Automaton, Frogmite, Sojourner's Companion or whatever. It's just like the zero mana cards, Urza, thought monitor, and some artifacts. 
our buddy Moonsnare prototype showing up, which uh, yeah. thought that card would show up a lot more, but and uh, drums, drum and yeah. prototype with the Thopters yeah. and Memnites doing yeah, good work. Eight, eight drum was something I was I thought was very real when I first saw Moonsnare prototype. So and, and hard evidence fuels two of them, which is cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Decent. Decent little setup. Kind of mid-rangey, kind of not good, but uh, I like the the core of the engine that we're using here. And if you find something good to do with this engine, it uh, could become good at some point. Yep. All right. On the canisters list, three ether vial, one ether vial. Uh, yeah, goblins. Perfect split. Goblins. And this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Canisters got 22 lands, four vials, four Thoughtseize, four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, two Lightning Bolt, one Tarfire, and then has four Harbinger, four Snoop, uh, two Kiki Jiki, two Sling Gang. So has the That's requisite the combo. combo package, but then has one Munitions Expert, one Mog War Marshal, one Trash Master, and then four Ragavans. So yeah. yeah, combo, but like screw all the other Goblin stuff. You know, like we need to be able to like interact a little bit and stuff like Ragavan. Yeah, maybe maybe too good not to play, honestly. Yeah, right? just play good cards. Fable, the Mirror Breaker, Ragavan, doing, doing a bunch to just... Uh, cover a bunch of weaknesses. Thoughtseize also there to disrupt. And yeah, I am inclined to believe that if this deck is ever going to be actually factually good in the format, it has to look something like this as opposed to the list we saw before. Yeah, back in my day when I was putting Dark Confidant in these decks, we didn't have Fable. We didn't have Regavan. So I was doing the best I could. Uh, this seems a little bit better. I kind of still like Dark Confidant over Fable, but I, I I expect I'm just broken at this point, and like that is that's just old school boomer stuff coming yeah, out of dude, my mouth. Even, and it's not actually true. Even around that time, Confidant was still pretty bad. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> one day, was, one day, Bob, one day you'll get your moment in the sun again. It was like the only thing that did that kind of thing, so yeah. it was it was the only option. Anyway, SR Denal, Living Ends, uh, Fury, making it in. That's it. A Fury narrowly making it in. I'm looking at how many Fury discards we have. Looks like other Furies. Uh, um, Carabids, a Ceridon, Violent Desert Outburst. Desert Ceridon. Yeah, the, the options are thin, but I, I get it. I mean, like, you can certainly beat a bunch of things in that spot. I might look play these in the sideboard and have like a little Fury package if I was looking. If, I, if there's matchups where I'm like, I need Fury. This is how I'm going to do it. I might have a package for it as opposed to sliding in the main deck here. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting. Like, Carabid does double duty with the griefs in the list also. Yeah, that's cool. So that's nice because grief was previously in that spot where you were, like, maybe a little bit thin, right? So, yeah, I, I kind of like this. I could see it. No notes? No notes. I, right. I'm, I'm cool with it. Ne- next up, Hell of a Pokemon, Sandile. Uh, 60 card Omnath. You'll love to see it. Kahira companion. Uh, this one, since there, there is Kahira, we obviously have some risen reefs, but no fancy ephemerates or anything like that. Just ley line binding. Ren to fairy, two copies of wandering emperor, some oath of Nissa's and other than that pretty normal. I think. Why is this deck bad where your deck was good? Like, can you just, is it as simple as just like the raw you can never lose once you've played some of this stuff and then Urian where where is this deck failing right now in your opinion I I don't think it is I think people were messing around with like Karuga and stuff and I think that leyline binding probably 
I don't know, mess, mess people up a little bit where they just started kind of going off the deep end and playing like way more black cards than they really needed to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I I think we just got to, you know, take what we've learned, distill it, reel it in, keep it tight, you know, and then we'll have a good deck. But uh, I will say that when you're playing Kihira, I don't, I don't think Kihira is bad or anything. Um, Certainly getting the companion to pitch to solitude is relevant in a ton of spots. Right. But losing out on like the traverse package for things like Emrakul, the promised end, or even like the Magus, the moon on the sideboard or whatever, just like the random little non-elemental things is it's not great. It's going to cost you in some spots, but like, I also think that those things aren't as relevant now as they were three months ago. Right. So I like this version. I don't think that I would play wandering emperor. Oath of Nyssa, maybe a little sus without Urian. I'm not sure if you're supposed to have uh, some sort of like dig spell in there. I guess I guess you do lose out on Ice Fang too. Ice Fang was nice because it just it gave you a decent amount of velocity, you know, yeah, and let you play more removal without actually having a removal spell. So maybe that is something you need to address, or maybe it is just like, look, Kahira maybe not that good. Like we, we could just go back to, to playing the good cards or whatever. But also once you're playing binding, I guess ice Fang gets a little bit worse because you're incentivized to fetch duels and not snow lands. So who knows? Uh, one of the things I really like from mid range decks specifically are those small tutor packages where you get tremendous, tremendous bursts of equity against what are otherwise miserable matchups just by having like, that tutor package, which you're generally happy to play anyway, like Traverse, completely fine. And then you give up two or three sideboard slots and you end up with where your matchups were like 30, 70s. You pull a bunch of 45, 55s out of thin air. I think that's huge for your general performance in a tournament. And I actually think one of the best decks I ever built, which will go forgotten because I am too stupid to play my games uh, effectively fast enough, was for a legacy tournament. This was during sort of the height of Stoneforge stuff. And I played, I played Jund with Gamble. I, I literally I could not, I could not lose to the, like the Stoneforge decks. I, I crushed Mono White. And then I just like randomly beat Storm a bunch throughout the day because I would go gamble for a Chalice of the Void and just like got that little small boost of equity where I was able to steal one or two of those matchups that Jund is just supposed to lose throughout the day. And then got all my good matchups and beat them the way I thought I would. And had I not drawn three times against death and taxes in unlosable positions in that tournament, like I, I top eight that tournament and maybe change the legacy format in that spot. And yeah. I, I think like that sort of that sort of small deck building twist where you're pulling so much equity from so few cards is something that mid-range decks in particular, and in particular in high-powered formats, should do more of and benefit a lot from. So I, I am with you. Traverse seems like a very good solution along those lines. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if we can do the whole nixing the sacred cow of playing a companion, though, in these decks. You know, I, I don't know if the general public is going to get on board with that idea. And... I would also have to like play games with solitude to see how, I don't know how tenable it is really, because maybe it it just means that you have like that solitude chilling in your hand with, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're light on resources and whatnot, but I I think it's doable. And I think that 
it's not like you lose all of those games where that happens anyway. And there, there is just a ton of card advantage to be made up in other places. Too. Right. So I, yep. I don't think it's the end of the world. Yep. You have some cards to give in this deck for sure. Uh, the dogfish, uh, white, black grief blink. However, now because you were doing ephemerate and touch the spirit realm stuff, you can play three Phyrexian flesh gorgers and blink that thing. Okay. Technically, you can do that. I don't think it's particularly good, but you can do it. I bet there's matchups where it's good. Like, I, I don't think it would be my default plan into the into the modern format, but I, I bet there are some spots where it is very, very strong, very problematic for people to deal with. And getting that, like, backdoor option seems pretty good to me. I, I'm just a Flesh Gorger believer. Like, I think this card has legs in multiple formats, so I, yeah. I'm happy to see it here. Oh, Charming Prince, too. It, my problem with it is that Getting the Flesh Gorger into play costs three mana. It's a lot. A lot for this format. It is a lot. So in slower matchups, and I'm talking like really slow matchups, like, yeah, you can technically do that, but I'm not really seeing it. I, it's just like, I, I hope you draw your plan A, right? I hope you're doing the Grief Blink stuff and it never comes down to the Flesh Gorger stuff. The the problem is there's just like a lot of bad cards being played to try and enable this thing at that this point. And I think what you should be doing is using this to get bad cards out of your deck in a lot of spots as opposed to adding more bad cards into it. And that's Ideally, not what I see happening here. Yeah. But that's not the world we live in. All right. No. Deuce Buck Buck. Uh, this is kind of an old deck, but I like that it's still showing up. Uh, this is Dried of the Elysian Grove, Omnath, Soul of Wind Grace. Uh, into bring to light scape shift. Okay. Can you, can you give me the summation of what soul of wind grace adds to this particular setup? I mean, it, when you're playing with fetch land, soul of wind grace is a little bit different of a card, I would say. So way better, way yeah. better. I mean, it still costs four, four is a ton. You, you want like some middle ground here. Like if there were fetch lands in pioneer, I think soul of wind grace is like probably one of the best cards in the format here. It's a little bit tough to swallow. Well, you're seeing it, alongside Omnath, which makes it pretty clear that a four mana threat is playable, right? Like you can, because I think when Omnath started showing up, people were like, really? Like four mana doesn't like affect the board, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, yeah, no, it's, it's good. It does enough and the format's low enough, you know, and you slow your opponent down other ways or whatever. And obviously I think in a vacuum, Soul of One Grace is worse than Omnath, but Soul of Wind Grace is getting you to seven or eight lands for Scape Shift. I guess six if you have Dryad. But I, I think that the fact that it ramps you while pseudo being more Omnaths is cool. This is a deck that can sometimes be a little light on just total resources. Like if you're getting disrupted or you mulligans or, you know, they're, they're just like interacting with you, like killing your stuff or whatever it can be actually kind of difficult to get to the requisite amount of lands plus scape shift or, mm -hmm. you know, bring mm -hmm. light. So uh, I, I like the fact that it's just like providing you card advantage. I think that that's great. Uh, I, I guess it's like kind of weird that this deck isn't playing Ren and six anymore. Cause like that was kind of the card that was doing that before you just do Ren and six with Arboreal Grazer. Cause you know, Grazer bad when you run out of lands, right. But Ren six just solves that problem. It um, seems like you could do both here. I, I, little... I feel like you could, I'm not sure what what you're cutting uh you know maybe you don't need fire ices or maybe you don't need as many soul of wind graces or something but yeah or as I, many do you need as many omnath like uh, can can either soul of wind grace or omnath be a card that you're pretty content to bring to light for and you're not trying to always hit on turn four i don't 
think so. I, I okay. mean, I think I think Omnath is it should be the thing that you want to be doing on turn four, right? Because there's there's the bridge uh, between the early turns where you're like, all right, I have two mana. Hopefully, I have some way to accelerate, right? And then on turn five, you're doing bring the light into stuff. So you need something in the middle, and I don't think that eight copies is necessarily right, but you mm-hmm. want some amount of that, and I think that Omnath is the best one to just play on turn four naturally. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you bring the light for Soul of Wind Grace at some point, but I, I think it is like it's there to naturally draw because you want to play it and have it ramp you, and then if it comes down to it's doing other stuff for you, then cool. But like Soul of Wind Grace is also just good with Ren and Six. So, not very true. Just because I can't make it through a whole episode without complaining. How tilting is it that the mouse over doesn't work on like the vast majority of these cards? Like it feels like such a, you, you literally have a database. You, you run gatherer and you can't get these two systems to work together. Uh, I wasn't really checking. I would um, say it works for like 20% of the cards. Yeah. Okay. In the database. Yeah. Now I clicked on solo wing grace and it's just like, yeah, no, nope, um, we're just going to take you into, you know, the spinny ether of the internet and not show you anything. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, it, it stinks. It would be nice if it were functional. Maybe maybe it is two steps forward, two steps back. So we're, we're at parity. All right. Standard parity. Oh, okay. I, I just... Okay. No no run in six, no grazer. There's a Karuga. That makes sense. It does, but it doesn't. Like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like it. Karuga rapidly speeding up the power rankings of companions to be banned. Uh, or maybe it's like the companions that keep companions around because people keep tricking themselves into playing Karuga decks. And they just get beat up every time. Like, how many... If you're if you're playing Karuga and you're drawing cards off it, that means you have either Dryad, Teferi, Omnath, Soul of Wind Grace, or Leyline Binding in play. Leyline Binding yeah. is the one where it's like, okay, maybe this isn't doing anything. But any combination of the other ones, I feel Should like... Yeah, you're crushing yep. already, right? Why do you need Karuga? Yeah, I would just try to build this deck as efficiently and as robust as possible. And that probably involves some amount of Grazer, Ren, and Six to go along with Soul of Wind Grace. Like, I think four Omnath is good, and that is probably what you want, but you probably want something on top of that as the bridge. And I think Soul of Wind Grace is a fine solution to that because you're, you're playing Black Mana for Binding anyway, and then there are some Unmoored Egos in the sideboard, which I do like. Uh, necessary evil, I always say about Unmoored Ego. I, I am willing to play that card in several spots, and it is bad but good. Yes. All right. Uh, Cookie Kid, zero, zero. More Dryad, Omnath, Bring to Light. This one with a Valky, the last deck couldn't play it because of Karuga. Yep. Uh, this also one, some expressive iterations as well. Yeah. Iteration, I don't like when you're not playing Grazer, but grazer iteration is a combo kind of in the same way that like Ren and six and grazer is a combo where you can like grazer just be out of lands, but then iteration is awesome at that point. Right. Right. Whereas in this deck, if you're not getting the early acceleration from grazer, the, the turn three iteration is not great in this deck. I mean, you can pick up Leyline binding, which is good. That's awesome. But that's, that's kind of it. I guess prismatic ending too. maybe. Yeah. And I kind of like some of the ideas here, but I, I wish these two decks blended together a little bit more effectively and took the parts of each one I like and, and dropped some of the other parts. Yeah. I don't know. This this thing is viable. And this is another one of those decks that was good against Omnath, but people didn't really play it. You know, they mm-hmm. just prefer to play Omnath instead, which which I totally get. You know, yeah, that makes I'm sense. I'm certainly one of those people. But 
Uh, there, there is a time and a place for stuff like this. Absolutely. Ooh, I like this one. Aaron Gomu. This is an inspiring spike deck. This is Asmo. Haven't said that on the cast in a long no, time. No, it's been a minute. And Underworld Cookbook with a card from the Brothers War, San Serenth Steelseeker. Oh, no, I'm trying to hover over it. It's not working. Uh, I got you. I got you. I'm ready for this one. It's 1G11. Let me yeah. let me see if I can get the text. No, you're already wrong. You're already wrong. 1G12? There you go. Okay. <laughs> Dude, power creep. Uh, <laughs> when an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may reveal the top card of your library. Nope, we're wrong. No, it, you can look at the top card of your library. There you it's go. Planned, reveal it, put it in your hand. Otherwise, you can put it in your graveyard. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that is close enough. Okay, cool. Yeah, maybe maybe you can reveal it first. I, whatever. Anyway, cookbook, daredevil, steel seeker. You kind of just pop off. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think cookbook steel seeker by itself is probably good enough because you're digging for the daredevil or you're just drawing a bunch of lands that are probably kind of redundant anyway. And then steel seeker is effectively another thing that's like fueling your cookbook. It has felt to me for a while now, like there's space for this deck to come back. Like this, this deck was a terror for a period, like an absolute terror. And it went away and obviously it lost some important pieces. You know, Loris comes to mind as a very, very good card in this deck, but I played without that, Loris. Sure. And it was, it was probably fine at that point, but I, I think it's legitimately like good. The, like the problem, can, the problem is that you have Asmo and yeah. It's hard to run out of Asmos in a lot of instances because you have the cookbook to bring it back. You have uh, Finale and then you have Trailer Crumbs drawing you a bunch of cards. So it's like, yeah. all right, you're going to be able to kill all like the creatures and, and whatnot. But what what is your big finish? It, it's usually just like draining people out with Cauldron Familiar. And there are just decks that go over the top of you. But if there's something that's like a little bit more small ball, say it's like a Jun deck or whatever, and it's like, you know, you got some Saga tokens, you got some Trail of Crumbs action, you just have a ton of cardboard, like they're, they're not going to be able to beat you in a million years, but something like Omnath can just get to Emrakul you or something at some point. So that was, that was the problem. Feels like this deck could find ways to sideboard around that. Maybe. Maybe just... I, I just couldn't find something that was good enough. Yeah, this deck actually playing its own copy of Emrakul, the Aeon's Torn, which is uh, very interesting. I'm sure that's just maybe mill protection in this instance. But four Haywire Mites in the sideboard, so that card Hell coming up yeah. big. And look, that's a, like a really important card for the things that would typically disrupt Asmo. Haywire Mite covers a lot of those bases. I was playing the Evoke Elemental that disenchants. Okay. Because you... So initially I had like nature's claims because it's like, oh, I got to kill a ley line and like this kills opposing sagas and stuff like that. But you really wanted something that was findable off trail of crumbs. And now yeah. this is super cheap, findable off trail of crumbs, findable off of saga. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. Four copies is absolutely correct. Yeah, love it. Big pickup. So I don't know. F find me a way for once I deal with all their stuff and... Uh, draw a bunch of cards to actually kill them and you know some of the lists were doing manufacturer like you know time sieve or whatever or yep. weird eorth combos and stuff like that and i think that that's fine but those it feels it feels like with are steel seeker you should just be able to find like one card that you have somewhere in your deck and that is the thing that does it for you yeah i don't know if there's uh like a better ether grid or something like that but i don't know something like that could do it yeah. 
I don't know. It probably exists. Anyway, next one is, <laughs> I'm not going to read the name. It's a Bant Stoneforge Mystic deck. Uh, when MH2 came out, I played a bunch of challenges with a bunch of different decks, and Bant Stoneforge was one of them. And I think I went five and two. I think I like narrowly missed top eight, and my deck was okay. And then stuff started emerging where it was like, oh, these are just way more efficient and way better. And so I never really revisited this, but I, I do like it. I mean, Noble Hierarchs, Bell Queller, Ice Fang, Stoneforge, Solitudes, uh, Teferi, some Counterspells, Dramatic Ending. Like, these are cards I like. Spell Queller Teferi is like kind of my happy place. I'm, yeah. I'm in, a, I'm in a good zone when I'm doing that. Um, modern's not the place for it in my estimation. And like you said, you love all this stuff. And, and this is actually a thing that I think has been happening in modern for a very long time. Basically like something along these lines where you love all these cards and Noble Hierarch was accelerating out my Vendillion clicks for a very long time. And then I would lose and be like, uh, like there's just enough there to keep you hooked and keep you going. And you're going to end up tier 2.5 at best every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not great, but uh, I don't know. We have a, a Bant Triome. We've got like a uh, Basaju in here. Look at, look at all these new prints. <laughs> Just vastly improving this deck. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Wordwood 93, Hammer with some Magnetic Thefts, uh, basically unchanged. Yeah, we can we can move on. We're only through like a quarter of our list and, and we're already running low on time. Uns unsurprisingly, basically, we're very bad at going quickly. So. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, so skip. All right. Next. I did it. Almost mono red breach. This one with Iconoclast. Only one breach too, which is kind of weird, but like a lot of iterations, reckless impulses, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like a backdoor combo. I, I'm cool with it. Your your it's your B plan for sure, and uh, your A plan is just like be the prowess deck plus Iconoclast. I think that's fine. I, I bet this deck is completely reasonable. Uh, next up is English with Amulet, uh, four Explorer, two Tribe Scout, no Azusa or Colossus, and the Explorers instead of the Impulses. Otherwise, basically the same decks before. Yeah, I, I would check with Dilks first, but I'm pretty sure this is stock. So, Tentacle Fan with uh, Colorless Ex Sultras. Exactly what I would expect from Tentacle Fan. Yeah, Karn Silex. Cool. You know, there's a historic anthology coming to Arena. We'll talk about it briefly on the Arena Decklist podcast. And uh, some of these Eldrazi making their way to that format. Does that excite you in that space? Eh, a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I, I like a Thought Not Seer, but, uh, you know, not enough to spend 50 bucks or 80 bucks or whatever they're going to charge me, you know? I really like Thought Not Seer when it wasn't being played alongside other Eldrazi. Like when it was just like a card you could find a way to get into your deck. Yeah. That's my, that's my favorite Thought Not Seer. Uh, how do you pronounce this name? Delasinha. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Blue White Control with Bindings. Sometimes they play Renin Six, which I think is a little weird. Oh, this one has Ice Fang too, so I guess it's banned. Uh, I don't know. This this is not my bag. I, I am not the person you should be going to for advice on this because I'm going to tell you that it's probably not great. It is, it is my bag, but I've worked hard to make it not my bag anymore. So I've just kind of like beaten it out of myself to ever consider something like this. And I, I can't go back now. I That's just, called growth. Yeah. Uh, 
I like I like the chalice of the void. <laughs> like that that kind of gets me excited. But when you're doing things like that, it kind of points to the idea that your archetype may not be exactly what you're looking for. I agree. Savior O one one seven Tameshi. I like this deck. I thought we were gonna get to a place where I don't know, it was just like the deck was robust enough. You had enough tutors and everything. And I think that it just ended up falling short. Like people couldn't decide on what was actually the the best kind of like backup plan or even like the best kill condition. And this is just more of the same. I don't see anything that's really standing out to me here. No, I, the archetype kind of hit its end state, I would say. It stopped moving forward. You, you and I, both big fans of Wargate, we've sort of been excited several times on the podcast about seeing that card back around. But yeah, this deck just kind of showed up. And, you know, it's an interesting space where there's folks like Aspire and Spike who like their their brand is innovation and they're really good at it. Like they bring a lot of really good stuff to the table. But where it's your brand, you don't you don't get the time to ever develop anything. So it's just like new thing, new thing, new thing, right. new thing. And these things don't really get fleshed out. It, it falls on other people to flesh them out. And it's just, it's not really happening. Like these things aren't being fully developed. And that's fine. You know, there's a lot of magic cards nowadays. It's hard to find everything to completion. And sometimes it's just easier to give up on something and focus on the thing that is actually factually good rather than trying to make something good. Yep. Uh, next up, Money's 0801. Cascade in a glimpse of tomorrow. Now with eight omnisciences, you got four omniscience, four, one with the multiverse, which is the new one yep. that lets you play one card from your hand for free per turn. And then you can also play or, stuff or the top of your deck. deck. Yep. yep. Uh, so this is, this is cool. It gives the deck some consistency. Uh, you have some Emrakul the Aeon's Torns to cast, which is probably the best one. Right. And then the next one is just like Nicol Bolas Planeswalker, which doesn't seem all that good to me. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. That's the next best thing you could find. I, I assume there's like specific situations where like that's the only thing you can actually win with and that's why you have to go with it. But I, I have not checked that. It is a very strange conclusion for this deck to have found. Well, it, it has to be a one shot to work with one with the multiverse, right? So yeah, it like you could play Gristlebrand with Omniscience or something like that. But with with one, that doesn't necessarily get the job done. So it's it's weird. You have this interesting constraint on you uh, where you sort of have redundancy, but you kind of don't also. Yeah, weird, weird deck for sure. So maybe if that problem gets solved, then then you're in business. Uh, we've seen it before where it's just like that one payoff card, right? And that's the thing that pushes this to the next level. And now we have two engine cards. Well, I, I don't know what we want to call our engine, what we want to call combo pieces. It's all a little little murky with this deck, but we've picked up a backup omniscience. Now we need to find that backup kill condition. That's really uh, just the perfect, perfect fit. Uh, F Palouse. I don't know if that's how you pronounce their name. I know that they're, they're a streamer. Uh, they do good work. This deck is cool. Brian's going to hate it. It has four collected company, uh, 25 lands, Urza's Saga package, small Urza's Saga package, but it's a green white creature deck with a bunch of Elvish Reclaimers and Knight of the Reliquaries. So you have two sagas and then three targets. And then stuff like the new Titania and also an Argoth to potentially combine them and looks kind of mavericky with like, yeah, dude, that's exactly what I was going to say. Immediately got those legacy maverick vibes, yeah, noble hierarch, some giver of runes, uh, dried of the Elysian Grove to go with like a, a Valakut. And, uh, yeah, this deck is cool for a green, white creature collected company deck. A lot of mini combos in it too. Yeah. 
I despise this deck, like like you said, but I, I love Francisco. So I'm excited to see what he's coming up with here. And I, I get the appeal. I, I do. I just think there's too many parts that are fighting against themselves here. And, you know, I felt that way about Maverick from time to time. When it's no, There's no question when it comes together, it feels very, very good. The right metagames can be exploited by stuff like this. So there may be a place for it. This is a tough sell in modern, man. You really have to have all of your lines, all your combos figured out. And you need to know like what matchups you're facing as well. And I, I just don't have that kind of certainty about modern matchups as it stands right now. This feels like a deck that I would have maybe flown to a GP to play in like 2019 or something. Mm. Mm. And racked up a very solid top 64 performance and then right. wondered wondered what the hell I was doing with my life as I'm down like $600 on the weekend. Yeah, still no answers. Yep. Uh, Wordwood 93... Uh, this is another affinity deck, but nothing fancy. Yeah, blue affinity here. And maybe this one should take a look into that that particular draw spell. Although it's harder once you start playing things like Urza and Sai and adding more misses to your deck. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think that card was like the most exciting artifact card we've seen in quite some time. So yeah, same. Mudu. I don't know if that's a, a play on Modo or whatever, but it's pretty funny. Grixis. Indomitable creativity, uh, but there's Ren and Six, so not quite Grixis. I I like actual factual Grixis, but uh, some Fire Ices, a Burst Lightning, four Spell Pierce, two Mana Leaks, so more interaction, less of the clunk, which I do enjoy, and yeah, Fable, creativity, Arcana cruelty. What's not to love? Thought these decks were coming up short for a very long time. I no longer feel that way. I think they are among the best things to be doing in modern indomitable creativity, uh, finally finding its home. A lot of it was our kind of cruelty for sure. Just having like that one target. I, I think a huge amount of it is also fable of the mirror breaker and yeah, how many things that adds to the archetype just can't be, can't be overstated. It's, it's such an important card on so many different axes. Do you have a bunch of creativities? Oh yeah. I think they finally went up. Yeah. Foil okay. too. Yeah. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing well on that one. Hell yeah. That, uh, dude, that was that was an easy buy. Like it was no, when it, I got it, it was, it was crushing historic online and like yeah. uh was was clearly very, very good. It's not like I had it super early. So Yeah, it it was. It was like three dollars for a mythic for a very long time. And I was just like, why is why is this so low? I should buy a bunch of these, and I just never did. Well, it doesn't matter because by the time I sell them, they will have been reprinted into the ground anyway. So don't worry about it. Probably true, but I would have sold them faster than you. Yes. So, Paulu. Okay. This is, is it, but not Murktide, but similar to Murktide. This is like Blue Moon. I would, I would probably yeah. call this so, Blue Moon. Ragavan, Blood Moon, four Furies, two Snapcaster Mages. Those are the only creatures. And then two Jace the Mind Sculptor. And then Counterspell, Archmage Charm, Force Negation, some removal spells. You know, whatever you want to say about the deck, I don't really care. But like, this deck has 11 ways to cast Ragavan on turn one, and it has two Sulfur Falls. And I understand that you want a bunch of islands because you're playing Blood Moon, right? That makes sense. But Arch Archmage's Charm alongside it. Sure. But yeah, so all your lands have to make blue. We know that, right? Because of the charms. But like you want a bunch of basic islands specifically. And at that point, I think the old list playing Sulfur Falls, that made sense. But when you have four Ragavans, that doesn't make sense. That should be the fourth copy of Steam Vents or even like some Shivan Reefs or uh, Spire Bluff Canals or, or whatever. You know, uh, Sulphur Falls with Ragavan in your Blue Moon deck, I don't like it. The only way you could talk me into it is if you have just decided, and I, 
you can't you can't make decisions like this in magic that's the thing is like you have to always remain flexible but like is there a world where this deck just does not cast turn one ragabands it's just not what you're interested in and i i doubt that's the case like you can make a case that ragaband is often better held on turn one and like play towards a longer game sure on the draw yes yeah, to say you never play it on turn one is it's just going too far. So no, if you if you win the die roll and you you have the ability to play turn one Ragavan, you should do it. Yep. Uh, and then there are also matchups like Charbelcher or whatever, where it's literally the best possible thing yep. you can be doing. Yep. So, uh, it is a very small price to pay to get rid of these Sulfur Falls and play a red source that ETP is untapped. On turn Upside one. of Sulfur Falls is too small, in my opinion. It's just not there. Correct. So I, I think that that's just like small deck building oversight where it's like, oh, you're kind of copying a mana base from old blue moon decks or whatever, not really thinking about it. But the first time it comes up in game where you have like Island Sulphur Falls Regavan or whatever, you're just like, oh, no, this is not <laughs> not ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zanman, love it. I uh, love the Zanman. Always with cool decks. This one does not disappoint. So Regavan, Fury, Omnath. Lightning Bolt, Spell Pierce, Ren and Six, Explore, and then... A oh, nice, simple, good deck. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got, got something and then, going. And then a Gingerbread Cabin mana base with Shape Anew into Portal to Phyrexia. Ah, uh, that's that's where things go off the rails in the best way possible, by the way. Yes. Um, yeah, this is this is dope. I, I love this, like, mini combo finish. I wish it had, like an auto kill for doing all this work to set this up, but you're going to, you're going to feel very big brained when you pop that portal to Phyrexia and play and start doing absurd things against your opponents. So pretty cool. I am having a hard time figuring out the matchups that you've really like solidified by doing this type of stuff as opposed well, to just playing good cards. But I, th- I think the point is who cares? Yeah. Like you're, you're doing powerful, cool stuff and you know, I'm sure that this was just an idea that he had and just wanted to run with it. And I, you know, props, just do that. Oh, yeah, awesome. I, like, like I said, that is my ideal version of modern. You are able to do things like that. Interesting that there's three copies of Portal, but if you go Omnath into Fetchland, that's a clean nine. So you want you want the fourth Portal? You're looking to just no, lead no, no, right no. into I, it. I, I didn't say that. I'm just saying I'm surprised that there's three instead of two, but it kind of seems like maybe the plan is to cast it some of the time. Yeah, I want the fourth portal. Let's just cast it. Let's do I it. don't. Well, at that point, you got to have the fourth on math. So, you know. True. If only we could play 80 cards in our deck, we'd be set. To buy four bridges, blue, white, Esper Sentinel, Ingenious Smith, Urza, pretty normal, a random Sarah Paragon, uh, Thopter combo, a lot of metallic rebukes. Meh. Talked about this one before. Next. Cool. Uh, big Baranoia. Yeah, four color Omnath, uh, one Titania, Eladomri's Call, two Abundant Growth, two Oath of Nyssa. Titania is a big hmm. Like, I, I, I don't hate it. I'm not repulsed by it immediately. Uh, people people keep playing it. I don't I don't think it accomplishes You don't buy much, it? But whatever. That's fine. Okay. Like, it's a card. It does stuff. It's just, it, it is one of those things where it's like, where do you actually want this? It also has to be better than the things it's replacing, like second copy of endurance or you know a multitude of other cards so it's not it's not being presented in a vacuum yeah i mean most of the time it was if i'm casting an eladomri's call or something am i in you know say say like i need a a card advantage thing or a board position building thing like i'm usually getting omnath if i have omnath in play well then maybe i'm getting something else you know like it could be a risen reef or you know 
Emrakul would have been Emrakul, yeah. maybe the choice in the Traverse versions, but this is a Kahira version, so you can't really do that. But I get like this one has like Charmaw and Bendling Mage in the sideboard, so I never got it. I never got the titanium, but yeah, whatever. Ah, math. No notes. No notes. Okay. I, I already moved on to the next list, trying to figure out how much I hate this particular collected company deck. Yep, DW Coog, Green White, Heliod, Business. Uh, this one looks a little bit different than the old versions. I can't really figure out why. There's like one recruitment officer. Maybe it's just I haven't looked at these lists in a, a long time. I guess, I don't know. It's like Oriac Champion, Spike Feeder, Ballista, Ranger Captain, Conclave Mentor, Arbor Elf, Utopia Sprawl. Like this seems like basically the deck that MJ won the mocks with a while back, but also looks kind of weird to me. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I'm just repulsed by the 27 creatures, honestly. Like that, that's the main thing that's happening for me here. And you can't talk me out of being repulsed by that. So happens. All right. Uh, Milliken would you Good for you, Milliken. Good for you. Cool. Uh, Elf Utnap with Dredge. Uh, anything cool? Nothing cool. Yeah, not seeing much update here. Uh, you know, kind of going back to Silver Smoke Ghoul for the last pickup for this deck. A- another one on the same list where, like, when this wins something, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah. Uh, Rofellos, but spelled incorrectly, with Jeskai, Fury, Moldrifter, Solitude, Ephemerate, but also Blood Mooning. This is a thing, I guess. These mole drifters do not look good to me. Like I, I, I get it. I also like a mole drifter. There, there has got to be better cards to be played in the modern context than that. And yeah, we talked about like I had a moment of pause before where I asked, "Would like three mana sorcery draw four? Is that actually modern playable?" I am positive three mana sorcery draw two is not modern playable. I know like mole drifter is not that card. It is, it is something different. And there are several. Neat synergies you could find here. This deck just doesn't offer me anything now. Yeah, you're trying to ephemerate it, right? Which is really expensive. And I think you're just better off ephemerating the other stuff. Like it. Yeah. Um, but when you do that, you're down on resources. So you need something to get the resources back, which Moldrifter does. It's just like, do you want four of that? And the deck also just has a million three drops already with Fable Blood Moon. Right. So. Right. Very crowded. And even picking up like your Kahira out of the sideboard. Yep. Uh, Nicholas Gem, Mono Red, you know, the Ragavan, Fury, Blood Moon, Fable, Nonsense, Obosh. Obosh very high on the companion power rankings in my eyes. Possibly the next one to get banned would not shock me. But uh, yeah, this, this deck's fine. I, I, I mean, like very mid-range. I would play something like this before I play something like Jund. I don't know what that really says. That's not as much of a ringing endorsement as it might sound like, but at least your game plan is clear here. You do have that very powerful sideboard option and the individual cards are all strong. Like I, I think you play a lot of good cards here. So yeah. Uh, Sandile showing up again, hasn't evolved yet. Unfortunate. Uh, still playing four color Omnath. As long as they're having fun. Looks like kind of the same stuff. Neil's able. I mean, this is scales. It's Zabal. scales with a haywire might. Yeah, patchwork, there. patchwork automaton. Uh, none of the none of the new cards. Yeah, this looks like a, a pretty older version of this archetype, with the exception of Haywire. My deck's fine, fine, just fine. I, I don't have anything else to say about it. We've we've seen this archetype. We know it's not tier one. It's just like if you want to do this, you you probably still can. You can probably still win a league with it. 
Uh, East of the King, Burn, but uh, different. Got some Ragavans, some Bone Crusher Giants, no Eidolons. Playing three Roiling Vortex, two Exquisite Firecraft mains. So just like a little bit more robust. Uh, yeah, uh, extra reach, I would say. Uh, a lot more reach into this version. And uh, I mean, I guess like if you believe Burn to be good, I sort of like that. Like you you believe it's good because you're going to get the time to go ahead and burn people. Like that is the assumption you were making. So once you make that call, doing things like Roiling Vortex, like Exquisite Firecraft, uh, I, I don't hate it. Like it, it at least shows commitment to the idea. Yeah, I like this. I definitely like bucking the trends or whatever, uh, trying something new. And it's just like, I, I like kind of what this is doing. It just needs like a little bit more oomph and how do we solve that problem? And you, you just troubleshoot, you know? Yeah, I would much rather see this than submitting the same burn list, which is like clearly not good enough for the 10 millionth time. Right. Uh, Rob DeHaan, 1987, uh, Grinding Station, Breach, Three third path iconoclast, no ledger shredders. I know that people are not very happy with that card overall. And then also a random Jeskai Ascendancy. And what does that open up for you? It's, it's got to be like uh, it's like more Emery shenanigans. Half a combo, maybe. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I, I mean, like Jeskai Ascendancy is kind of a good card. Like I think that gets forgotten most of the time, but like just the value of a Jeskai Ascendancy, even if you're not pure combo can be extremely, extremely large. And now you have a go wide thing with the third path. So yep. Ascendancy buff actually does something. And yeah, yeah. Another combo card with Emery. You could find some, you could find some lethal pretty quickly with that. Yep. Uh, Wordwood 93, uh, same mono blue affinity deck. Don't know if broken or if people just keep winning. Uh, All right, now for sure. Wordwood has been here a bunch of times, right? Yeah. Uh, Edipomus, Blue Eye Control, four Shark Typhoon, three Memory Deluge. They're going hard. Yeah. Cool. I'm off it. Uh, I, raging. Would, I wouldn't. <laughs> is my advice there, but have a good time. Raging Tilt Monster with uh, Red Green Storm. Beergy, Goblin, and Narcomancer. Uh, Summoner's Pact, First Day of Class, Strike It Rich, Wish, Empty the Warrens. I mean, cool. Where does this fall on your I don't want to interact combo scale? Below, below Char Belcher, higher than Char Belcher. I think Belcher's more resilient. Yeah. This thing is, you know, probably a little bit faster. Maybe not though. Beardry's kind of slow. I think Beardry's one of those cards that we're going to chase forever, and it, it's just yeah. it's just not going to get there in the end. Like it's it's just That's exactly perfect design. Perfect. Correct. Design. I was just going to say it's perfectly costed. It does exactly what it should do at that cost, and I. That's great. You want people chasing forever. Yeah, this doesn't look bad, but it definitely doesn't look, you know, fast enough, as fast yeah. as it should be. It's It doesn't look super scary to me. Yeah, I don't see the real explosive potential. Uh, Sailor Skill with uh, Dredge Vine. It's not really Dredge, but, you know, like the, the Venge Vine, uh, Merfolk Secret Keeper, Hedron Crab stuff. Yeah, this deck picked up like nothing recently. This looks like the same deck from quite some time ago. Yeah, the Otherworldly Gaze was probably the most recent print. Right. And other than that, pretty normal. I think the last time I streamed, I played this and went like two and three or something. Sounds yeah. exactly correct. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, if only like I had milled one of these or if like I had this land here. But like you don't have that consistency. Yeah, those things right. cumulatively add up. It's like the opposite, the inverse of the 
the gamble principle I talked about earlier. <laughs> like it's just the cumulative effect over all those rounds of needing to kind of line up perfectly every time. You're just going to miss sometimes. That's that's how it is. Yeah. Well, it's just like, oh, if I ran like a little bit better, my deck would be good. And then you, you just, you don't because the deck is just like missing a card or whatever. You know, it's like you need, I, when it had once upon a time, I think that that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And oh, for sure. I mean, I, that helped every deck that could play it a well, lot. But yes. Yeah. So then was I doing the best once upon a time stuff? No, probably yeah, not. It becomes but, a different question. But my deck was more consistent, which was nice. And yeah, this deck just needs like a little bit of that or to be maybe a little bit faster, you know, like a a secondary Vengevine type of thing, like a thing that came out of the graveyard that was not embarrassing, like not a Gravecrawler or a Bloodgast or whatever. That would help a lot. But uh, odds of that happening are pretty low. Anyway, Shang-Jean, uh, Mono Green Tron, pretty normal. Pretty normal. Have a good time. Have a good time with your Tron deck. Uh, another steel. Oh, I think I think you can unban. Uh, what was I think you could unban Mycosynthalitis in modern, and it would be fine. That's just my hot take. But uh, I would do that in all math stuff, probably. Yeah, yeah you, you can. Fine. It's just like I don't know. I I get that it like ends the game, but games need to end, and it's just fine. Like let it end the game. All all these decks instead they get to this position and they eventually end the game. You know, five turns from now. So. All right. Airing with another Asmo Serenth Steelseeker deck, although this one is Emery with Time Sieve. And got yeah. those unearths working in, in the sorcery slot as well, which is yeah. pretty cool. So there's yeah. Sultai with the manufacturer and the unearths and everything. So yeah, this this one like doesn't have like the interaction or the staying power. It's mostly just full on combo. But if you are looking for this combo to be like a little bit uh, more resilient. I think the Steel Seeker does add a lot to that. So you got that going for you. Where but, do you think this settles? Do you think Steel Seeker ultimately like gets this deck back into the tier list, or is this just like kind of spinning your wheels? And it, it is correct to play it, but it's not actually fundamentally changing the position of this archetype. Yeah, I I don't think the deck was really short on engines, right? But this is an engine that doesn't use the graveyard, so that's certainly helpful. So it, it does help. It makes the decks better, right? And it makes it so you don't just have to line up like ABC. Like now you have like a wild card to throw in the mix where the Steel Seeker goes pretty well with a bunch of different stuff and yep. then gets you to like the ABC stuff. So it it does definitely help a lot. It's just the fundamental problem with the ABC stuff is that it doesn't necessarily line up well against the rest of the stuff that's going on in modern. So that kind of needs to be addressed. You know, it does line up with stuff in modern. For Haywire Might in the sideboard. Hell Little yeah. guy put in work in this deck dump. Oh, yeah. White, Whitco, O2, um, Mono Red almost with some Prismatic Endings. Also an Obosh deck, but mostly the same stuff. Very smart one-off Pillage. Love to see that card just make its way in. Sure. I hope it's an Alliance's version of Pillage as well. Oh, it better be. Chip K with Ether Vile, Boros, and... I don't know, kind of like Death and Taxes E. Mm. Recruitment Officer, Guardian of Faith, Flicker Wisp, Brutal Cathar, Solitude, Giver Rune, Stoneforge Mystic. So you said you said Boros. We're not, oh, we're not no, actually it's Boros here. Yeah, we're we're we Selesnia, which, you know, this deck has existed, been present for quite some period of time. This also gets Haywire Might, a huge upgrade for the deck. But that's about it. Uh, next one is more white stuff. Uh, we just got we got to the death and taxes section yeah, of, of the Charon deck dump Zobel. somehow. 
Queen Kayla Bin Krug, extraction specialist, ambitious farmhand. I, I do love that there's a lot of these mid-rangey white decks and they all just have different cards in them. Yeah. No, that's that's good. It, it's showing those options present. And like that also makes it more theoretically possible that somebody could find the correct culmination of these options and like win a tournament with something like this. So I, I think that again points to very good designs being put forth and Holy giving crap, people dude. options. Holy crap, dude. Okay, God Shadow, Mono White. <laughs> we have a Mana Tithe sighting. We have uh, some Tithe Takers. Yep. You remember that card? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Guardian of New Benalia. Oh, this is Champion of the Parish, I guess. Yeah, this is Mono White Humans. Oh, yeah, but like, not really. I don't know. It's still it's still more death and taxes-y to me, but... I mean, uh, we have Thalia's Lieutenant. You can't have Thalia's Lieutenant and not be humans. Nah, you're, you're right. You're, it's technically humans. It's just not the, I'm going to kill you on turn four humans. Yeah, it's just the not, I'm going to win game version of humans. It's just a more... Uh, more focused to its theme. All right. Next up, Kangaroo Drew. Burn, but with Atarkas commands, Eidolons, nothing fancy. I wish I had the the type of mental fortitude that allows these people to just be like, eh, I'm just going to fire off a league with Burn. I'll have a good time. Dude, like, back if in, I found back that much day, enjoyment. Back in with, the day. With I, Burn? Sometimes. Not me, man. Not me. Sometimes. Uh, now, I get it. Like, this isn't me discounting burn as a strategy or being like, oh, it takes no skill to play burn. I, I don't believe that at all. And you should know that if you've listened to me at, speak at this at any length. I think these decks are actually harder to play than something like a control deck, at least for me. It's just, I just don't find that enjoyment of firing up a burn league for very low stakes. So, Well, back in the day, Magic was the game that I played for enjoyment or whatever. And now I have other stuff to kind of do that. Where, especially if it's like I have 30 minutes that I want to kill. Right? right. And you can't really do that with magic. Cause it's like, Oh, I got to go get all the cards and like join a league and still only play one round. And I also don't know how long it's going to take. You know, there's just a lot of problems with it. It's like, Oh, I got to carve out like three hours for this thing. It does feel very different. Like from when I owned every card versus like now having to rent them. And I realize it's just like a small instance of stairs, but it, it influences how much I just hop in the casual league for sure. Yeah. Uh, site winner rhinos, but Leyline Binding and two Temporal Masteries and also some Bloodbraid Elves? I mean, you can, you can do all that. That is, Those are cards you're allowed to play, for sure. Well, they're legal. They are legal. I don't know what you're accomplishing by doing these things, but you've done it. Okay, uh, maybe maybe the deck dump is broken, but here's Arnim again with Four Forging the Anchor. I don't know, kind of looks like the same list, but... Maybe, maybe yeah, maybe maybe the sideboard has changed. You know, I, I heard something that like they removed the the limit of you had to be like ten cards different from this, and then I went and checked, and that didn't really seem true to me. So I, I don't know what's going on with the how these decks are chosen presently. And I'm well, sure this is we'll, definitely, if not the exact same main deck, it's very close. Yeah, oh, very close. And I'm, I'm talking like I don't remember if this nettle cyst was here kind of close like the rest of it uh, i remember all the cards so thought monitor was in the first list yeah yeah there's thought okay. monitor because there was that but no mirror enforcer this, yeah. this is the same thing yeah same 10 misses yeah I, I think you're right uh burn spirit amulet with karn in the flex slot i like that actually that might be the way i would go with amulet right now i think i think karn is solid uh prevents presents a lot of problems for people you have good options out of your sideboard so i i think i would lean this way for the flex slot right now uh, Mike, Mike, uh, Esper, 
but Leyline Bindings, there's some weird stuff like a Ketria Triumph. But this is Solitude, Archon of Cruelty, Persist, and then also has Shadow Prophecy, like the Turbo Instant Speed, Read the Bones. Yep. Some Faithful Mendings to set up the graveyard and Counterspell. But it can also just like cast the Archon too. So it's not, not that bad. What do you think about how easy it is to just play Leyline Binding in really any white deck? Like it's, it's just not a cost for the most part. It is a cost. Well, okay. It's it's not a restriction. Like any white deck can really go ahead and play it if they want to. I think that is fine because white sort of needed the power boost anyway. At least if you weren't set up to solitude with reckless abandon. Mm-hmm. And it is weird now that there are like Grixis decks that are like, well, I could just splash Leyline Binding because it's like the same thing, right? It's like, oh, you just add the off-color Triumphs to your deck and you're fine. Yeah, And at that point, the actual white mana symbol on the binding doesn't actually matter that much. So it it is kind of a white card uh, where the white decks get to play it if they want to, but it also means that like the other decks get to play it if they want to. But overall, I, th- I think it benefits white decks more because the other colors were better because they didn't necessarily need to turn to stuff like Leyline Binding to get the job done. Yeah, yeah they already had their options. Yeah, fair enough. So it is interesting. I think binding is a... Uh, a good print, I think it, like, white is a good place to put that sort of effect because it needed it more. And then, you know, color pie, whatever you can talk about if you want to. But, yeah, the other colors get to play it, but, like, they don't have to. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just good. It, help, it helps white more, for sure. Yeah, white has been in a good place uh, the last couple of years. So they've done a good job of diversifying what that color can do in yeah, ways I that mean, feel thematic. Even if we're not talking about diversifying stuff like prismatic ending, even March and leyline binding, solitude to some degree, I think that those are all things that helped the color dramatically for yeah. modern. And it's not really diversifying; it was just like, oh, well, white can actually interact more with removal, now. yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, and a lot of times, that's the white component of your deck is the removal because it's not like you're playing, you know, Thalia alongside these things or anything. But uh, it, it does help give the color more prominence. Something. Yeah. Something. So yeah, it's good. I think they did a good job kind of like filling in the gaps and everything. Uh, Raiders, Rakdos, uh, Grief, Fury, Blinkem Ups, Ragavan, Dothy, Voidwalker. Yeah, whatever. Deck's all two ofs. Cool. Yeah. I No notes. I mean, you know this deck is like fine, fine-ish. I good mid-range choice i guess if you're like committed to the idea of playing mid-range this probably gets you exactly where you want to be brian last one we did it we made it through another deck dump bruno caleb creativity with leyline binding but also some chain to the rocks and ren six to fairy like this is kind of normal it's not as nonsensy and clunky as the other ones which i like and i like the fact that it's like all right we got to play like a lot of pierces and bolts and fire ices and chain to the rocks because those are cheap cards and the rest of our stuff is kind of expensive so this is a good call yeah i think this deck has evolved in a a good way i think it is now uh doing a great job interacting with opposing decks it has a lot of powerful plays and like i said i i may say this archetype for a long time in modern but it's there now It it would be in my tier one decks for sure yeah yeah, me too. Uh, and, and basically the same boat. Also was a hater for a long time. But yeah, it's, just, it's been streamlined. And like you said, Archon of Cruelty helped a ton. It's definitely the, the best target and is very good. And it's hard for it to stop being good. 
because no matter what, yeah. it's like disrupting your opponent and clocking them. And like, no, that's true. Obviously, that's a way to look at it. <laughs> there are a lot of Orvars in in these decks, right? Which is kind of like the new thing to beat up on these decks. But other than that, uh, just like not really a downside. No, I, I agree with you, and uh, I think identifying it as like safe isn't quite the right word, but it's just like always fine. It, this card can't really fail you. And that's what it needed. You had a consistent target. So it was playing targets that were like very, very hit or miss. Sometimes they were unbeatable. Other times they were just blank pieces of cardboard. So right. now just honing in on this Archon of Cruelty idea, it served the deck very well. That's it. That's modern. Um, it didn't really look like there was solidified tier one or anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's hard to pull tiers out of these these deck dumps. I think you need to find that elsewhere. If I'm talking tiers right now, like I said, I would have Indomitable Creativity up there. I think like Breach very much is there in that place. Uh, Omnath still somewhere around there, and then gets a little uh, Murktide. I'd probably still have either one one point five, but after that, things get a little murky. Yeah, uh, I, if you look at the breakdown on Goldfish, it's like Murktide Hammer. Uh, Rakdos mid-range, which might be the grief deck. I don't know. Burn, yeah, so. burn it fourth. Creativity, Amath, Yogmoth, Titan. So it, it's the normal good decks, right? But it didn't seem like any of them were like by far number one, right? And like a lot of them were experimenting with different stuff, which yep. was cool to see. So definitely in a place where there's a lot of room for innovation and kind of like tuning these deck lists and eventually uh, crowning like a new number one, I guess. Yeah. I, I think we're in a modern that's a, a bit in flux right now. And that's cool. Cool to see new ideas being explored. A couple archetypes that maybe could find their way into those upper tiers. Should they continue to be honed a few dark horses? Like I, like I mentioned several times, it just feels like a very good representation of what modern is supposed to be. Yeah, it looks good to me. Uh, and it looks like the Rectos mid decks are just Rectos mid, which was a thing that didn't show up in that deck dump. Interesting. So no no grief, no fury stuff. No, not at least from the, the few that were featured. It's probably a different thing, but yeah. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. Overall, pretty cool. Kind of looks like you can sort of do whatever you want to do. Obviously, there are like some caveats with that where it's like a lot of the stuff is MH2 stuff. But other than that, uh, format's pretty wide open. That is that is what it is at this point. That ship has sailed. So it is. All right. Uh, any any closing thoughts? Any anything you want to say from Florida? It's warm. It's hot. Lotus Field rules. That's it. That's all I have to say. Game. Good luck.